How's it going out there, golf fans? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Highly Technical Golf Talk. Uh, on this episode, I am joined by a gentleman by the name of John Barry, who, as you are going to learn in the next hour plus, is one of the more fascinating and fun guys in the world of golf that I've had a chance to sit down with here in the last uh, in the last few months. Um, this interview was recorded in the beginning of February of 2020. Uh, before the uh, U.S. <laughs> economy, uh, life, and golf world has been shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic. But um, I'm hoping this interview is a, a great reprieve um, from that. It's just, some, it's just a really fun conversation. John is essentially a walking golf encyclopedia, and uh, to get a chance to um, ask him questions and, and just learn about his story and uh, his, his journey of how we uh, ended up as a general manager, golf pro, golf coach up in Lake County, California is uh, really, really cool. So I hope you guys do enjoy it. Um, no matter where you are, I, 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 th I personally think this is a really enjoyable podcast, but if you're a golfer who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, I think you're going to like this one even more. Um, a lot of references to golf courses kind of scattered throughout the Bay Area. We talk a lot about the future of golf in Lake County, uh, where John lives and works, um, kind of in the northeast quadrant of the Bay Area, um, often forgotten, but uh, a, a couple of like, very exciting golf projects happening up there. So I get into that with John uh, amid a bunch of other topics. So uh, without any further delay, let's get right to it as we speak with John Barry here on Highly Technical Golf Talk. Fuck. Shit. These are highly technical golf terms. You'll use them on your very first lesson. All right. Uh, I am very, very excited uh, to have a guest here today that uh, was referred to me as the godfather of Lake County Golf. Um, his name is John Barry. He is the man in charge here at Adams Springs Golf Course, where we are recording this podcast on the beautiful um, balcony overlooking what is a spectacular February day here in Northern California. Um, John, thank you very much for taking some time. Re I really appreciate it. This is a uh, what, what a day you've picked for us. Sure. Well, and thanks for being here, and thanks for finding Cobb Mountain. But uh, we're very happy to have Golf Guide here uh, and and yourself, Kyle, up at Adams Springs Golf Course. Yeah. No, this is a. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So for anybody that is unfamiliar um, with Adam Springs, it is a nine-hole golf course uh, designed by Jack Fleming, um, located on Cobb Mountain in Lake County, California. Um, what, what else can you tell them about the golf course, John? We're about 90 miles north of Napa. Uh, the course was built in 1962. Uh, Jack Fleming, for the uninitiated, was the uh, protege of Alistair McKenzie out here in California when he did the Meadow Club, Paso Tiempo, and Cypress Point. And then when McKenzie died in the middle 30s, uh, Fleming took over some of his projects, finished Sharp Park, and then on his own did about 80 to 100 uh, projects throughout Northern California, everything from Napa Muni and Swenson Park to uh, Sharon Heights Golf Course. Um, so he, he's done some real gems. He's also done some uh, executive-type courses, such as uh, Meadowood Resort on the Silverado Trail. Uh, some of his courses have gone to the on the wayside, uh, Tanferan, uh, uh, which used to, I guess, be inside of a racetrack uh, in the Bay Area. But um, he's, he's a noted Northern California golf course architect and, uh, and has always had a, uh, done a good job with the lay of the land and a lot of Alistair McKenzie's principles, which didn't include um, 
earth moving and uh, right. bulldozers and on and on. Yeah, no, this is a uh, this is a really really cool place. And actually, I do want to talk a lot more about Adam Springs. Um, you know, just given the fact how awesome it is, you know, especially this golf course seems to have gone through so much adversity over the past couple of years. And uh, you know, coming up here and having you tour me around the golf course and checking out the new clubhouse, it's just such a such a cool story and such a dare I say inspiring place to that makes me want to come back and, and play golf all the time that uh, I, I do want to touch on the golf course quite a bit more but before we get there um, I, I kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about you I wanted uh, our listeners to kind of get uh, an idea of where you come from uh, in terms of your golf background how you ended up here on Cobb Mountain from a guy that uh, grew up in the Midwest so do you mind sharing a little bit about your your background sure. and how you got to this point I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago and uh, it, I, I was born in 1953 so I've already given away my age but uh, in, in the middle 60s, it was a concrete jungle. So, uh, in fact, when my friends and I used to play uh, tackle football as 10- and 12-year-olds, we had to wait for it to snow so we could play on the school <laughs> playground, which was just concrete. <laughs> so um, it just so happened that two blocks away from me was Beverly Country Club. I could see the 8th uh, green, ninth tee from my house, and uh, I didn't know too much about it. I did sneak through the fence when I was a 10-year-old to watch a playoff in the 1963 Western Open uh, that Arnold Palmer prevailed on a Monday over Julius Boros and Jack Nicklaus. It's an old Donald Ross course from 1908. So when I was 13 years old, my dad, who was very much a product of his time, he uh, w went through the Depression, fought in World War II, and did not play golf. He was really big on the idea of you have to work. You need to make money. If you want to go to that nice high school you want to go to, you need to have money for clothing. And if you're going to ever have a car and stuff like that, it, you're on your own, pal. So, uh, you know, I said to him, well, what do I do? And he's, I'm 13. I, I can't collect so many <laughs> pop bottles to do this. And he said, you know, you should caddy at the local golf course. And so I, I went there, and uh, they basically had a waiting list for caddies. Um, it, it wasn't a slam dunk. So he came home about two weeks after I told him that story, and there was a man named Mr. Tony Blazer who worked at the same steel company. My dad was in the uh, steel business as a um, as an executive, and uh, he had a letter from Mr. Blazer, who was a member, recommending me to be a caddy. So I went out there um, in 1967 and took caddy lessons and started caddying. It had somewhat of a, a regional membership of, of quality. Ray Shock, the catcher on the uh, Black Sox team, who was one of the good guys, he's in the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. he was a member there. Uh, Forrest Tucker, the actor, used to do summer stock in Chicago, so he was a member there. Mayor, mayor Richard J. Daley, the first uh, Daley mayor of Chicago, he was a member there. Uh, uh, Congressman Rostenkowski, people like that. But it was a lot of the political and business class of Chicago. I've um, oftentimes compared Beverly to the um, Olympic Club of, of the south side of Chicago. Okay. And um, in 1912, uh, Chick Evans won the Western Open there. And, and in those days before the Masters and the PGA, the Western and the Canadian were the other big tournaments sure. with the British Open and the U.S. Open. Uh, 1931, Francis We Met, who uh, won the U.S. Open in 1913, he won the U.S. Amateur there. And then it was on sort of a cycle for the Western Open, along with Olympia Fields and Medina in the 60s and 70s. So I, I caddied in a couple Western Opens. Palmer won there. Nicholas won there. Hugh Royer won there. Don't know how Hugh did that. <laughs> but... Um, one of his few <laughs> accomplishments on the tour. And I, I caddied for a, a, a top 20 golfer in those days named Bob Lunn. And Bob Lunn was a San Francisco guy, went to Lincoln High with uh, Johnny Miller, and he kind of got under the umbrella of Tommy Lopresti at Hagen Oaks Golf Course. 
won the public links in 1963 and then turned pro, while our professional w were, were uh, Charlie Penna and Tony Penna. Charlie Penna was there all the time. Tony Penna was a tour pro. Charlie was too, but Tony was a more successful one who won four times. Uh, but his claim to fame was he glommed on to McGregor in the late 40s. He was the inventor of the Iomatic Woods, the VIP Irons with Jack Nicholas. So um, Mr. Penna kind of started nudging me at that first time I caddied in the Western Open, and he said, I want you to caddy for Bob Lund. He's um, my buddy Tommy Lopresti's protege. So um, that was not only a good thing to do that for Mr. Penna's sake, but uh, by the next year I was the assistant caddy master there for about three years. Fantastic. Which was a lot better than waiting for a loop and getting my $5 or uh -huh. carrying doubles and g making $10. I was the guy saying, hey, uh, you've got Mr. Shock or you've got Mr. Gaten B or something like that. So, um, so I, I worked at Beverly Country Club for seven years, fell in love with the game, and um, I, I, I was also a decent enough basketball player who blew out his knee as a junior in high school. So at the time when my high school team was going through the state tournament as a, when I was a senior and running into the likes of Quinn Buckner or Bo Ellis or other Southside legends who ended up playing in the NBA, uh, I was a guy on crutches or in a cast. Um, so I, I spent more time gravitating to golf um, and just kind of fell in love with it from there. Um, along the way, I went to Marquette University. Uh, came out to California um, just because of the beauty of the area, and I had some friends from Wisconsin who were living out here. And I, I worked some years in psychiatric wards in the Bay Area, Valley Medical Center, Highland Hospital, and the Palo Alto VA. Got a teaching credential, and I said, uh, I, I want to go somewhere small where they still have Friday night football under the lights, um, you know, school dances, because we didn't have a whole lot of... Uh, some of the schools in San Francisco that I subbed at or worked at were a, a little more locked down. So uh, I ended up here and uh, in Lake County, starting to work for Kelseyville Unified. Wasn't sure I liked the area. No traffic lights, no TV, no social scene, and uh, fell in love with the place. Uh, I ended up being the golf coach at Kelseyville High. I'm now in year 38, and uh, I also coached basketball for a bunch of years at the middle school that I was the principal of, Mountain mm -hmm. Vista Middle School. And uh, I still do a little bit of basketball. I, I'm the assistant coach for my daughter, who's the women's coach at College of Marin. And, um, but the whole, the whole theme has been a kind of a love affair with golf. Uh, along the way, the uh, local paper, the Lake County Record B, hired me to be their golf writer. So f since 1993, I've written a column uh, every Saturday in the paper. It's online now, so every now and then, Ty Botaw from the PGA Tour office will call our... Uh, our newspaper to complain about something I might have said about the FedEx Cup <laughs> or money grabs <laughs> or things like that. Um, but that's so I kind of do all things golf. Uh, when I retired as a principal, they uh, had me come on for the last seven years as the general manager of Adam Springs. As I say, I coach high school golf and then I write a golf column. Uh, I used to be a more active golfer. I played in things like the SF City or the Alameda Commuters. Went to some Western amateurs. I had a kid challenge me once about was I any good at golf one time in a high school match <laughs> as I was giving him uh, an unfavorable ruling. And, uh, and I said, you know, when I played in those three Western amateurs, I, I didn't win. Some guy named Justin, Phil, and Tiger, they, they <laughs> won them. And, um, and, and I did some neat traveling. Uh, there was one year I went to the Irish Amateur in 1990 at La Hinch, and some teenager named Darren Clark won that year. So uh, I, I would never say I was a top-notch golfer the way m my generation of uh, 
Gary Veneer or uh, Casey Boynes or Randy Haig have been the top-notch guys. But when Randy Haig or Casey Boynes were winning the State Fair Amateur, I was the guy who was in 47th place. Okay. So uh, <laughs> uh, I've kind of always been on the fringe of that. And, you know, I could get away with shooting uh, 375s and, you know, get nothing in script. And uh, But I was there, and, and, and that was kind of a lifestyle I enjoyed. So uh, now that I'm 60, almost 67, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit quieter life. I kind of play in club events. I play in the local Lake County circuit, um, which um, I, I kind of founded, uh, I did found, in uh, 1994 with Mark Watherspoon, who's mm -hmm. the golf professional at Buckingham Golf and Country Club, which is about 15 miles away from here on Clear Lake. And uh, I, I just kind of think that there's a, a lot of value in golf, not only because of the integrity involved in the sport and the camaraderie, but also, uh, as a high school golf coach, I just think it's open doors to some of our local kids. Um, some who ended up playing college golf or have become PGA of America professionals, but also some who just benefited from the socialness of golf. It helps them with their business life nowadays. And mm -hmm. so um, in, in some ways, I, I, you, you never know what you're going to do when you're a kid and, and how you're going to plan this out. And I certainly had none of it planned out. Uh, I, I hated going to school, let alone uh, being a principal of a school. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it's it's all kind of been a, a combination of things. And I think golf has had a real impact just on things like integrity, never giving up, uh, camaraderie. Uh, golf's one of those games where a, a corporate businessman can play with the uh, janitor on the 14th story of his uh, skyscraper that he owns uh, and, and have a good time with it and uh, – and enjoy the day. So I, I think that's the, the merits and values of, of the this, which uh, has often been called the uh, greatest game ever. I, I would not disagree. I, 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 golf has uh, been very, very good to me. And in fact, it's one of the few things that I actually genuinely love and feel passionate about, which is, I think, the reason that uh, I've ultimately ended up doing doing this and, and sure. trying to find a way to stay, stay involved and be around the game. Um, at, at least, you know, for here at Adam Springs, how, how long have you been working here at this golf course for? I've, I've been the general manager for seven, seven years. Okay. I've, uh, I, I've been a member here for 40, and uh, for a while I was, part of, I was a minor partner in the ownership group here from 1986 to 1998. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, you know, looked out for things, and, you know, if they had the Lions Club tournament, I'd run it for them or do the scoreboard. Um, and, and then we sold, we sold the golf course in 1998 to uh, Eddie Mullins of San Francisco. And uh, when I retired from being a, a school principal in 2013, Eddie, who is 150 miles away, said he really needed some eyes and ears for him so that um, we, we had some chaotic situations sometimes where, you know, the, uh, the, the tires on the greens mower would pop and they're special kind because they don't have tread and it takes about five days to get them. So therefore, the greens weren't being cut for five days. Ah. So my so because I'm semi anal retentive, uh, or my wife thinks I'm totally anal retentive. <laughs> sorry, Julie. Um, I um I, I reached a point where I w I'm the guy who kind of notices things here, yeah. and I check on the equipment, and I, I I've got a good cart guy, Tom Sally, who uh you know we keep up on the carts and we're organized, and um, we do have a, a, our fair share of outside tournaments for charity groups and community service groups. And uh, I, I normally run those for them with, as far as scoreboards and pairings and rule sheets. And uh, uh, some of that background is based on Beverly Country Club, where I kind of watched how Mr. Penna did things. But some of it is based on just playing in the State Fair Amateur or the 
you know, Alameda commuters or or I even wandered. Uh, we had a friend, Charles Creasy, who had a plane. So we would play in the Siskiyou Amateur in Weed because it was near the little airport that he could fly into. Played in the Susanville Amateur, flying over High Desert Prison uh, in the middle of nowhere. So uh, we would go out to Fall River Mill uh, every summer um, just to play there. And, you know, we're not going to drive six hours to that place. But, hey, in a plane, we're there in 45 minutes. So 45 minutes is... It's just is fine in a set. That, a that one's suspect. okay. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, um, it's it's just been a nice run this whole time. And uh, and the other thing I th- I think you notice in golf is golf is for all ages. It's a three generation game. Grandpa can play with his son, can play with uh, the grandson, and yet at the same time, I see in golf how people do age. Their skills falter, and then suddenly they're gone, and you find out in the newspaper, oh, they passed away a couple of days ago, and the services are this date. And so I'm really big on this idea that I need to stay active through playing golf, through through promoting golf, through coaching golf, because in that way, um, I'm I'm going to stay younger. You know, I'm I'm uh, father time is going to get me someday, but uh, I'm I'm going to fight him as long as I can. Well, lucky for you, you do seem to be keeping relatively busy. Yes, I, I keep <laughs> real, I keep real busy. Yes. Yeah. So if you've actually been out here for forty years, I'm I'm really curious. Um, what what have what are some big things you've noticed here specifically at Adam Springs, and then golf, you know, as a whole, uh, that that you have noticed the biggest changes taking place within the game of golf? Well, in light of uh, this week's uh, USGA and RNA uh, study about uh, golf ball distance and driving distance, uh, I th- I think some of it is just this course itself, where like for instance our sixth hole here which uh, pencils out to 310 yards. Uh, I, I now watch people blast three woods and drive the green, whereas, you know, before I'd bash it 250 up the middle with my uh, Velada golf ball and persimmon wood and would, you know, have a 50-yard wedge in. So I, I think I think the course seems shorter than it used to be, and I see that in golf. I see, um, I, I hate to say the nature of golf also is I think it's gotten more expensive for people. Now, now our green fees are pretty reasonable. You come here on a Sunday and you play, pay 25 bucks and you get the card, it's 15 more. So that's, that's a reasonable price for golf in my mind. But I, I just see too many places where it's pretty hard to, to cough up $200, $300 to play a, a great course. And oftentimes it's $75, $80 in a tough economy is difficult for people. So, so I worry about that. I also worry about the cost of equipment. Um, you know, yeah, I have a great tailor-made driver, and it costs four ninety-nine. But uh, not everyone has a spare four ninety-nine to uh, spend on golf. Yep. Um, so I, I think the price of golf has hurt a little bit. I, I've seen I've seen the distance um, impact courses. Um, you know, I, 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 I've told people when I went and played Aaron Hills a few years ago, my pedometer said I had walked nine point one miles that day. And I thought, wait a second, I normally walk about six miles on a golf course. But when I uh, realized that every time I'd walk off a green at Aaron Hills, I'd walk to the next tee, and we'd walk about 250 yards to the, the through all these masses of tees or mazes of tees, and I realized that, hey, they're preparing this hole to be 600 yards or 700 yards as a par four someday. You know, they, they fully are capable of making that course go to 9,000 yards. Now, that's great for Aaron Hills, west of Milwaukee, in what's basically, I think, was a cornfield at one time. But what do you do when you're Harding Park? You know, you just can't say, hey, I think we're going to cross, uh, you know, and, and go next to the dorms at San Francisco State, or we're going to go out into Lake Mer- Merced and uh, build a new tee. So I think a lot of our courses, and, and, you know, the Olympic Club would be the same way, uh, Lake Merced, San Francisco Golf Club, they're in, in constricted areas. And so I, I think the, the validness this past week of the uh, distance thing by the USGA and RNA is that uh, – um, we've kind of lost, or the bo- governing bodies have kind of lost control of the game. Yeah. Um, 
I, I can't do what Cameron Smith does, and I never could. But when I was 30 years old, I, I could hit the ball 15 yards shorter than Tom Watson could. I could hit it 255, and he could hit it 270. Um, I don't know of a whole lot of amateur golfers with three handicaps who can hit it 330 um, the way Cameron Smith can hit it 345. Yeah. So um, th th I think that those are the changes I've seen. But I, I do worry about the future of the game with this younger generation just because the economical economic times are tough. And uh, and this may be the first generation that doesn't make more money than their parents did. And the game is costly. The game is time-consuming. The game is difficult. Um, and there's all those extenuating circumstances where, you know, maybe it is better to ride your bike. Maybe it is better to still be into skateboarding sure. um, and on and on. Now, as, as a high school golf coach, have you... Would you say that the economic barriers of golf is something that is a, a real reality for a lot of – do you notice, is there a lot of kids that want to play high school golf that can't because the economics of it don't allow them to? So lucky for me, at least, I'm in Lake County, and if you were to look at our second garage door over, there's all kinds of clubs that we've had donated. Okay. And some of them are, are only three or four years old. They're Ping G30s and things like that. And uh, so we're able to really filter – uh, clubs to kids. Uh, when I had my high school meeting with kids, because we'll start our season in a couple weeks, uh, there were a couple kids who, well, I've got irons, but I don't have woods, or I need a putter, or I, I and hey, I believe it or not, I can get you an eight-year-old Volky wedge out of there, and you can have one, you know, and, and uh, to be honest, if I gave them a Spalding top flight wedge, they'd be overjoyed also. Sure. Um, so that, that's that been helpful to me, but the thing I've noticed most is uh, Kelseyville High School has about 450 kids, and we normally have 10 to 12 kids active in golf. Um, schools now like Montgomery High School in Santa Rosa or Ukiah High School, they used to have 20, 30 kids on the golf team. They'd have a JV program, a freshman program, a varsity program. They'd have 10 or 12 kids on each. The JVs were playing the other school's JVs. Now they're looking at the same kind of roster I am. They've got 8, 9, 10, 12 kids, and it's just not as active. Now I know part of it is is gaming, you know, that uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to play Tiger Woods 2020 sure. you know and 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 this generation is somewhat into that but i've also really noticed that the bigger schools that have had a history of of great golf have had somewhat of a fall off in hmm. in golf interest and i think i think part of that is economics so i think your your point is well made yeah because i i know you know it's great that you know, high school students have the resource a resource like you where they can get clubs but i i fear that the economics of golf where it actually may have the biggest impact is after high school when all of a sudden the onus is now on those same golfers to start paying greens fees and kind of you know setting the money aside to actually play the game so having a place like this where you can still go out and play for 25 30 bucks is sure kind of invalid i, I well, wish there was more of them sure and, and in our case because of our ownership uh lake county kids play free here so that's that's a good thing also and they they haven't abused it you know it's not like there's eight kids running around taking divots out of greens they're all very well mannered sure but um but i think it's really hard for a kid nowadays um i, I would make the comment that on july 4th at two in the afternoon you could get out on adam springs or buckingham or hidden valley at uh two o'clock in the afternoon you're still waiting in line at harding park or lincoln park um right. bennett valley in santa rosa las positas and livermore so I think that's part of the the other dilemma for kids. Um, I think the uh, the other thing too is a lot of the newer courses that have come in, and I'm not trying to knock them, but you know you've got courses like a, a Stone Tree or something like that. Those are hard courses to to begin the game on. Yes. We don't have a whole lot of courses anymore that are just kind of bash it and chase it down, and you you slice it 30 yards, but you're just in the wrong fairway as a kid. No, if you're at Bodega Harbor and you hit it 30 yards, you've gone through someone's picture window. 
and um, <laughs> yeah, well, you have, and um, and and I think th- th- those kind of Muni type courses, like uh, the San San Mateo Muni, um, which is now called something else, I think it's uh, Poplar Creek, Poplar now or Creek, like yes, that. Yeah. or Palo Alto Muni, or Bennett Valley in Santa Rosa, or Peacock Gap in uh, Marin. Um, those are contiguous courses where you can make blatant mistakes as a beginning golfer. You don't have forced carries, but so many of the new courses. Uh, um, n- if I was a kid, I'd, I'd rush to Las Positas and Livermore before I'd ever go to the Wente course. And I think the Wente course is a great course. But h- how some kid in a, with, with a bag would climb up the ninth hole that they call Lombard Street and get, then get back down. And, you know, the poor kid would be exhausted as a 10-year-old after about five holes. Right. So. Yeah, I was going to say, other than, you know, the first hole out here at Adam Springs being uh, somewhat of a brute, this is a great place to learn how to play golf. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing that they design nicely is all the out-of-bounds is to the left. So if you're a right-handed person <laughs> with a wild slice, you're sim- you know, you tee off on one, oh, well, you're in the fifth fairway. Sure. You, t- you tee off on three, you're in the fourth fairway. Yeah, so. that's wild. Well, uh, kind of keeping it here on Adam Springs, um, one thing I am curious is that, you know, Again, for anybody that's not familiar with this golf course, it is up, located up on Cobb Mountain. Uh, how many miles north of Middletown are we? We're uh, 12 miles north of Middletown. Okay. We're about 80 miles north of Napa okay. on uh, uh, Highway 29 to Highway 175. If you're in the Ukiah area, w- which is kind of our biggest city, uh, the county seat of Mendocino County, we're 55 miles away from Mendocino, okay. um, from Ukiah. Uh, but but we are c- in a remote area. We're in the... In the uh, Mayakamas Range, which is part of the Coastal Mountain Range, and and we're in uh, where they have the geysers. So um, you know it's it's pretty remote. It's very mountainous, and uh, the roads are a little tough to traverse sure. in bad weather. Um, and and it's in some ways it's almost a throwback to uh, a past generation where you know people know each other. They don't really worry about locking their cars. Um, you know, pretty much everyone one knows everyone's name. It's kind of like a giant Cheers. But at the same time, uh, it's it's extremely remote. Well, th- I mean, that, that, that's something I uh, a comment I made to you before we started recording today is that one thing you just notice immediately when you get to this golf course is just the sense of camaraderie and family that you guys have cultivated here. It, it's just so cool to have a place where, you know, as you refer to Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Sure. It's, and it's uh, it, it, it's really cool. But I, as you mentioned, it's also in a more remote location. And you know, over the past twenty years, I mean, especially over the last you know twelve since two thousand eight. Um, you know, the golf industry, it's been a tough business to survive in. A lot of golf courses, unfortunately, are closing because there's just more supply than there is for demand. And I'm curious how a golf course like this, as a nine-hole in a remote location, uh, how are you guys able to sustain um, your business and stay open and, and provide a great place for people to come play the game? I, I think it's a twofold thing. I, I, I won't lie and say that uh, our profit margin is real great. And part of, part of our uh, success is that our owner, Eddie Mullins, from San Francisco, is committed to the golf course, so he's been able to accept some years of losses. Good ownership does go a long going. way. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I think he, he understands it's a long-term endeavor, that I think down the line we will be turning a, a better profit, but right now it's it's a tight squeeze. So I, I, th- I think that's the real issue there. I, th- I think every golf course has sort of a culture to it, and, and without knocking the changes in Harding Park, because they are very well done, I think if you'd have walked into Harding Park in 1985, the good old boys were all there, the guys who were the firefighters sure. and stuff like that. Well, they're not paying the $108 green fee anymore and hanging out there the way they used to. They're they're probably going to Lincoln now more often or yeah. Crystal Springs. So with that in mind, I, I, I think um, every golf course has a culture, and, and I think the more money you charge 
for a daily fee course, that culture kind of goes away because people play it once or twice and, sure. and, and, and they just aren't regulars there. And I think if you, if you do have an expensive type golf course that's private, you have a certain culture. The, obviously, the grill room at o o Olympic Club is kind of a colorful place mm -hmm. or, or things like that. But at the same time, um, th that Joe six-pack, Joe blue-collar mentality uh, isn't always prevalent at golf courses. Sure. Yeah, I, it's it's just it it's such a nice refreshing change. As somebody who doesn't get to see it that often, you know, going to you know, it's it, unfortunately it's more uncommon than it is common. It seems like nowadays. Sure, and and you know, it's not like I'm talking about anything in the neighborhood, but I think if you went to uh, the Weed Golf Course in Siskiyou County, mm -hmm. you might find the same flavors here. If you went to Diamond Diamond Lake uh, Diamond Mountain in uh, Susanville, mm -hmm. you might find a similar kind of flavor, but they're they're now more often few and far between. Sure. Um, I think I mentioned this in an article that I wrote in our magazine a couple of years ago, but I, I think what's really cool, you know, one of the many cool things about this place is it's it contributes to what I consider to be probably the best collection of nine hole golf courses uh, in any region on the West Coast. And it's not to say that other places are great. And now, granted, this is assuming that Etna Springs is still viable. But between this place, Etna Springs and Northwood, those are, I think, the three. Shoot, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I think those are the three best nine-hole golf courses I've ever played. Well, I, I consider that a compliment for Adam Springs yeah. to be included with Etna Springs uh, in, in the same. And, and Northwood, obviously, and, and Alistair McKenzie gem on the uh, Russian River. Uh, the Etna Springs story is that they did, uh, they were re redesigned by Tom Doak. Sure, and I never had an opportunity to play it before the the Tom Doak okay. redesign. Unfortunately, well, it was okay. It was an okay. It was a nice course before that, and and was built in the 1890s in the days of Lily Langtree who uh, I would kind of describe as the Madonna or the Britney Spears of her, of her time uh, but in, in, at the turn of the century. But um, it, it was the redo by Tom Doak was just brilliantly done. Yes. And, uh, and they had problems with business. They were averaging about 13 rounds a day. And Etna Springs is in the corner, northwest corner of Napa County, similar to Adam Springs in kind of the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have been purchased by Alchemy Resorts, uh, which is a company out of somewhere in the uh, Alabama Gulf Shores area, and they are going to, uh, they do have permission from the Napa Planning Commission to rebuild uh, the old hotel there that fell apart. The former home of the Moonies, right? Yes, yes, okay. it was a, yes, Reverend Moon and the Unification Church okay. owned it at one time. But uh, with that in mind, they're maintaining the golf course. They've got a small skeletal crew cutting the greens and the fairways just so that it doesn't go into disarray. But they don't have a plan right now to reopen the course, sure. and, and that's a sad thing. Um, at uh, the day before the Valley Fire, which would have been uh, September of 2015, I think that I thought there were seven golf courses in the immediate Lake County area, six in the Lake County confines, and then one uh, with Etna Springs, mm -hmm. two miles over the border. Right now, uh, Hidden Valley, uh, Buckingham, and Adam Springs are the only courses left. Uh, Clear Lake Riviera went out of business. The old Hoburg's golf course, which was called Black Rock, recently went out of business. And then uh, Langtree uh, was a victim of the fire. That was a Tom Weisskopf design. And then um, Etna Springs went under. So um, it's, it's been tough times for golf courses in remote areas. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it, it, it was a beautiful segue there because one of the items on my list was kind of just talking about the kind of landscape of Lake County golf. And so what, what do you think is the main contributor to uh, a few of the golf courses here up in Lake County? I, I'm just going to go ahead and, for the sake of argument, just consider Etna to be part of Lake County because sure. it— Sure. It's a lot more accessible for Middletown and, and for Lake County residents than it is for people down in, in Napa and things like that, in my opinion. Um, wh wh what do you think has been the, the largest factor? Do you think it isn't the fires? or? Uh, and I hate to say, and I'm not going to start pointing fingers at 
Pacific Gas and Electric or our government or the state or, or whomever or our forestry policies. But we've had five straight years of, of fire in Lake County, five straight summers. And, it, and it's come from different angles and different areas. There was a fire uh, a couple years ago out near the Etna Springs area. So th this, that area is torched. We obviously had a devastating fire here that destroyed uh, thousands of ho houses up on Cobb Mountain, destroyed our golf course clubhouse and pro shop. And I, I think the dilemma is that when I first was here all the time in 1913, in uh, 2013, we would uh, I would see people from the Bay Area. That someone would walk in with a Lake Merced, uh, you know, sh logo shirt on. Mm -hmm. Someone would come in from Crystal Springs or, or or a course like that or Alameda Muni. And I think at one time this was a, a more of a tourist destination sure. because we're still recovering from the fire because our ambiance isn't as good with these you know stick trees and on the hillside and. And I think the fear of fire, um, w we've been really hurt in the tourist business. We've really been hurt from people who uh, may have come up to visit Grandma and stay a weekend, but Grandma's cabin burned down and Grandma just didn't rebuild. So I think in the end run, um, we just don't have the, the outside people to be here. And, and our, our own uh, population base in the range of 50,000 for the entire county isn't going to sustain golf on its own. We, we, we counted on those people from the Bay Area and sure. Sacramento. Um, you know, I have some good friends from Sacramento uh, who play, who are avid golfers, and they go to Arbuckle um, every weekend to play, which is about 55 miles away from them. Okay. Uh, great, great little nine-hole golf course uh, right near the Sutter Buttes. And that's what we used to sometimes see. We would see people who said, uh, why wait in line at Foxtail or Rooster Run or Bennett Valley in the Santa Rosa area? I can get over the hill to uh, Cobb Mountain in 45 minutes to an hour. I can play 18 holes in three hours, I can get back home, and if I was at Bennett Valley, I'd still be on the 14th green. Sure. Um, we don't have that happening as much, and uh, I hate to say fire has been a, a de has had a devastating impact on our business up here. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's the actual fires themselves or the perception or the thought that the fires have taken everything out? I mean, because admittedly, I think Lake County seems like it is, I don't want to say removed, but it does... Uh, even though it's part of the Bay Area, it almost kind of seems like it's its own entity up here where uh, people, in the, especially down in the San Francisco Peninsula, are so busy, they kind of forget that this part of the Bay Area exists up here. And I wonder, is just making people more aware that there's still golf up here or that there's opportunities to enjoy golf and other things in Lake County? Um, or I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of yeah, thinking all, out loud. There's all kinds of opportunities. You know, we have a, a great little racing series. We have a, a, a rodeo series. Uh, there's a There's a beautiful natural lake with, uh, you know, probably two dozen uh, major uh, contests as far as bass fishing and, and those sorts of things. But at the same time, we are remote. The roads in are a little bit windy. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I hate to say the ambiance. If, if I'm coming up here with my family and they go through this area that's totally charred over Hopland Grade or coming in from uh, the Calusa side of things or the Ukiah side of things, it... it, it I can see it as a turnoff to some people who, who would say, well, what's going to happen when we're here this weekend and that fire comes back again? How are we going to get out of here? Sure. And how are we going to be safe with our three children with us? And so I, I, think the, I think the fire has been a turnoff to some people as far as uh, who, who were familiar with coming here in the past. Sure. And I don't know if it's, it's probably just me, but uh, driving up Highway 175 from Middletown and, and seeing all the trees and, you know, obviously now we're five years removed from the Valley Fire or almost five years, excuse me. Um, it's kind of surreal, you, you kind of, it, and not and not in a bad way. You just kind of feel like you're driving almost through a, 
just sure. some, well, yeah, since some well, sort of dystopian sure. thing, but not again, not in a negative way. It's just almost wild to see because there's so few opportunities to drive through sure. somewhere like that. Well, you mentioned how you came up from Middletown, and obviously once you got past the town of Cobb itself, you went past the old Hoburg Resort. Sure. It looks like a bad day in Syria. You know, there's just the, just the uh, chimneys left. There's just junk everywhere, and, and there's really no ownership to do anything about that that place right now and uh and it's just an eyesore well i hate to say there's a lot of eyesores right now and uh and it's an ambient situation uh if i'm if i'm living a, a fairly nice conservative um suburban life in mill valley or san mateo county somewhere or sacramento um we we don't always look so good um as far to the to the eye test uh, th- now that doesn't mean we don't have a great rodeo or a great, you know, bass mm-hmm. fishing tournaments, but at the same time, the ambiance is questionable. Um, you know, um, I could compare this area very easily to the Tahoe Basin area, uh, as far as the beautiful pines and the lake and things like that. But but right now Tahoe has it on us just because of the beauty of it, and, sure. and we've got some some splotches. We've got some pimples. Well, th- that's one thing I will say is that I, I did not make my first trip up here to Tacoma Mountain until 2017, you know, po- post-fire. And I was just kind of taken aback by how spectacularly beautiful and how similar, as you mentioned, to Tahoe it is. Um, it, the, the mountains, the pine, I mean, it's absolutely stunning up here. And it to think this is only, you know, within a two-hour drive of almost everybody in the Bay Area, it almost, it, it almost seems surreal. And um, again, mentioning that there's, you know, a, a couple eyesores, it's there still seems to be just enough activity up here and enough people that are committed to rebuilding that I would expect within the next handful of years for this place to certainly make a comeback, not just due to people like yourself who are committed to you know making this a really viable and, and great place to be, um, but it, it also seems like there's a lot of opportunities for Lake County, especially because my thought is that the Bay Area is now becoming so wildly expensive. And my generation, you know, people that are going to their mid-30s and are starting families, it, it's so hard to buy a home in, in so many parts of the Bay Area that people like me, we're starting to look at Lake County a lot more seriously. I mean, despite the fire stuff, um, as, as a viable place to live and recreate and things like that. And I'm wondering, do you see that as an opportunity? Uh, I see that as an opportunity, and I also see that as possibly the future. I think some people will be able to telecommute from work. I also think uh, y- there, there's a number of people who live in Hidden Valley who work in Napa County or Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that uh, for people who have certain... Uh, uh, tastes in in their uh adult beverages we have some great wineries here uh, gregory yeah. graham and lejour and boutique and and on and on and on um s- sorry to anyone who i forgot to mention uh, re- <laughs> recently steel wines and stuff like that uh, uh myron holden reads uh winery and stuff but the fact of the matter is uh it, it's a great wine country area also and yeah. and you know you talk about jobs and stuff there's a lot of those type of jobs for people who have expertise in those areas or even are the types who are going to do the books for for those kind of people sure. or 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 be in the service industry or, or or run a tasting room but right now as i say we've still got that onus of fire over us um and there's not there's not going to be any factory type jobs we don't have lumber mills here that sort of thing so um you know but but so there is a is a caliber of of opportunity here in jobs sure and and uh, so i i do foresee a better time i think our some of our city governments as far as the county the city of clear lake the city of lakeport are making some efforts i think the lake county chamber of commerce is really going out of their way to make efforts but uh we're going to have to work really hard at this uh for sure. the, for, th- for the next generation to to have the uh 
success of living in this area. Well, it does seem like the services and especially the, the hospitality and, and recreation uh, opportunities up here are pretty excellent. Um, I mean, I, I do want to mention it before I forget, you know, you've given me a tour around the golf course today. And as you had mentioned, the, the clubhouse here, um, you know, burned down in the 2015 Valley Fire. And you guys are now what, less than a year into building this new clubhouse. Yes, and, and probably about 70% done. It looks spectacular well it's it's modeled after the uh clubhouse uh restaurant at northwood in monte rio on which the Russian has River. always been one of my favorite sure. places to eat and have a drink yeah I mean, what a gem place yeah. yeah um i i go out of my way we always have our uh, first kelseyville high school golf match with uh, el molino high school okay. from forestville fantastic and it has nothing to do with beating el molino or losing to el molino it has to do with playing northwood yes and uh and 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 the kids are always awestruck by the whole area uh, it's, it's just a, a different place with those giant redwoods and the history of the place and the way the course is laid out. And, um, you know, that's what that's what we think we can be like. Uh, I think Northwood is within spitting distance of the Santa Rosa area. Sure. Uh, he- Heelsburg, Windsor, Santa Rosa, Roner Park. We're a little bit further down the road. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that right now is our dilemma coupled with the fire. That's okay. Well, so just a one last uh, one or two more things just to kind of on Adam Springs uh, specifically before I move on. Um, I would agree with you in that I think this this place, Adam Springs, certainly has an opportunity to be loved, you know, loved by the community in a similar fashion to the way that Sonoma County and, you know, the North Bay embraces Northwood is kind of its, you know, one of its little gem, you know, hidden gems. Um, I mean, obviously it's you know, known throughout the country as, you know, one of the premier nine hole golf courses that we have. Um, but I, I wonder, you were taking me, you were showing me uh, on the par five that you guys are looking at building an additional green complex to have, you know, two different greens each time you play nine holes out here. What what other things are you guys actively working on aside from the new clubhouse and a project like that to kind of make this place even more special than it already is? Well, the real problem with the Valley Fire was when we came back, we weren't allowed up here for about I think 32 days. So by then the greens were dead, the fairways were dead. So we're still fighting certain things as far as our greens, aeration. So so our real goal is to imp- improve the caliber of the fairways and the greens more and the tee boxes. More they than look anything. spectacular right now, by the way. It looks it does look pretty. Um, you you can get a, a tough lie out there every now and then okay. though, and and you can, and you know we have some humps and bumps on the greens still that we're. You know, because th- they've only been <laughs> like regrown for four years now, mm-hmm. and and it's not like we brought in, you know, Greg Norman thirteen sod from somewhere. We we did it by hand, all of it. Um, uh, aside from the uh, the additional green on number five and fourteen, which would give us a second angle, um, sort of like the ninth hole and eighteenth hole at, at Little River Inn, or the eighth and seventeenth hole at Buckingham. Um, th- that that'll be a real valid improvement to the golf course, and 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 add a add a nice touch to it. Um, but I, I think what we've just got to do is take the product we have and um, make it better. Um, you know, we we still have certain times of the year where we have to play winter rules, um, and, and yet we do have a nice following. We have the Lake County Amateur here. We have the Lake County Junior here. And uh, and, and, and golfers appreciate the, la- the lay of the land here. Um, uh, Jack Fleming did a great job on 39 acres. There's no distances from greens to tees. Uh, but in the overall answer to your question, we're trying to make things better as far as our, our fertilizers, our cuttings, um, 
you know, I, I keep pushing to put a couple fairway bunkers out there, like on the ninth hole right in the mm-hmm. left-hand corner, where it'll save you from going into the creek, but sure. it'll also not allow you to just blast it all the way down right. there. So it makes you think a little bit. But um, uh, in, in the big picture, um, we, we've just got to keep improving things. And I think I think that's the major message for Lake County, that if we can keep improving our hospitality and our services and some of the neat things we do, uh, people will come back. Sure. Well, this is something I've actually been really excited to talk to you about because uh, I mentioned before we started recording uh, that I'd had a a nice, you know, I'll be a brief uh, conversation with James Duncan, but um, there appears to be a couple of new golf development projects that are certainly, from what I understand, the very early stages. Um, But I wonder if both of these things come to fruition. So um, I believe there's two golf courses that are in, in, at least in planning. Is that sure. correct? Well, there's two projects in planning, which would be three golf courses. The, uh, the first one you mentioned is uh, at the Crazy Creek Lighter Port, and that would be for people who know the area. It would be midway between the town of Middletown and the Hidden Valley Lake uh, residential area and golf course. And uh, it, it's a James Duncan is the uh, architect on site. It's under the umbrella of Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. It's going to be a link-style course. I walked the premises with uh, James Duncan and uh, my friend Steve Molinelli, who's an Olympic Club four-time champ, uh, caddied for Colton Oston, the uh, U.S. Amateur, caddied for uh, Matsuyama when the U.S. Open went to the Olympic Club. Steve's a really good guy, and he's he's kind of a knowledgeable insider on all that stuff. But uh, we walked the premises. Link style, you know, when you look at the land, it's as flat as a pancake, and yet they've got elevation things and hitting out of chutes. Um, Link style, they're talking about having only a caddy program, no carts. It would be a private club. They're talking about maybe having um, cottages on the periphery, uh, sort of like the way Stevenson Ranch did at one time when they had cottages on their course. They're talking about possibility of uh, expanding the glider port so that people from outside could come in and fly in. Um, but the main thing is uh, it, it seems like, it, it, and right now if you drive past it, if, if you know exactly where you're looking, you can see where they've done uh, got four or five fairways starting to grow in. They, their idea was they were going to spend 2019 testing various kinds of grass because it, it can get down to 20 degrees in that Middletown area. It can get up to 110. So they were looking for some sort of a zoysia strain that was going to be able to be hardy enough to uh, to deal with those variations in weather. Sure. So that looks like a project that might be a late 2021 or 2022 endeavor. Um, it would be private, but I've also uh, have an understanding that they would probably make it available to the public during off hours, Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, sure. or that kind of stuff. Um, the other project um, is the uh, out on Butts Canyon Road, which is in the uh, far eastern, southeastern corner of Lake County, and that's uh, Gwenock Wines and the old Langtree course. Um, there was a private Langtree golf club that was only really open to Gwenock customers and and winery type people and that was designed by Tom Weisskopf uh, probably about uh, 2010 or so and when the Valley Fire came through what they'd done was they hit all their power and uh, electrical boxes and water sprinkler boxes underneath the bridges so that they weren't going to be obvious you know like if you look on our first fairway there's a there's a metal box out there just about you know and that's how we turn on the water on the first and fifth fairway right but um there they kind of hid them and embedded them when the fire came through and burned out all the bridges it burned out all their infrastructure as far as water systems electrical on and on so they basically walked away from that project um 
Um, there's a man named Mr. Zhu, I think it's spelled T-S-U, but I'm not sure, uh, affiliated with the Bank of Hong Kong, and he bought on the other side of Butts Canyon Road, just north of the winery, about 230 acres, and there's talk about two 18-hole golf complexes going in there. Um, probably he, he will not appreciate me saying this because he's secretive in nature, but Tom Doak has been on the premises. Tom Doak has been trying to... Uh, kind of deal with the lay of the land there and to see what this would all entail. Um, Tom is best known for uh, Pacific Dunes and Old MacDonald up in Bandon, but he's done a bunch of great courses. And in the modern world of golf course architecture, Doak, along with Core Crenshaw and uh, and a couple other people, Mike DeVries, um, are, are the current godfathers of uh, golf course architecture in yep. America. And so with that in mind, um, that would be another 18 or possibly 36-hole complex James Duncan had a great line for me when we were walking the premises. He said, now, I don't want you to think that us building our course out here in Middletown is going to impact your business because, you know, when the tide rises, all ships rise with it. And, um, and you know, that's a valid point that, you know, I, th I think if someone came in with their wife and kids and was going to play a tough Crenshaw core course, link style with caddies, and yet the wife was there and the couple of, you know, the 10-year-old and the 12-year-old, it might behoove them to come up to Adam Springs and, and play here while Dad was, you know, <laughs> getting beat up by uh, a core Crenshaw course. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think that might be a valid point. I think the other thing is that I there's a select group of people affiliated with the Brambles Project that we're talking about at Middletown uh, with James Duncan who see our area as the northern point of the wine country. And because of our, our various varietals and wineries, uh, I, I think there's a, c a caliber of excellence to that that people who are wine aficionados um, respect and, and adhere to. So so I, I think that those are projects that, as I understand, that there's pretty good money behind them. This mm -hmm. isn't some, somebody, you know, having bake sales and <laughs> car washes to uh, <laughs> afford this or, you know, selling their uh, uh, Ford Escort to uh, pay for the next month. Uh, sure. I, I, I think there's uh, some real possibilities for this. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have a lot of details on the, uh, the Tom Doak project. I did notice, though, that um, you can access the, um, I guess, the, the whole project kind of plan that was submitted to the Lake County Board of Supervisors. It's all available for anybody to see online if, if, sure, if you're I, that kind of thing. The other thing is, you know, and as I say, I, I have great respect for Tom Doak and his abilities. He did a great job at Aetna and Bandon and other places. Uh, and but he's got a secretive nature to him. Yes. Although you can see some pictures of it on his website, sure. uh, Renaissance Golf. So uh, he has been posting pictures of the site uh, on his social media feeds. Yeah. So um, where he's saying, "Oh, this is a mysterious Northern California golf yeah. project," and Location. then people that actually live, you know, close by here, like myself, you know, we see it. And uh, sure. I was kind of, "Is that Lake County?" Yeah, that's question other, mark. Yeah, that's in Lake County. Yeah. And then he's like, eh, "It might be." Sure. And uh, so, and I think he was starting to post pictures of that maybe um, a year plus, you know. Yeah. That, and so. uh, but now having you know access to that kind of stuff and and honestly reading your uh, re reading your column um, for the record B, it, 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 I found it to be a great resource when I was trying to look up you know golf in Lake County and trying to see if there's any information out there, uh, you were the number one resource. I mean it, you you probably had more information on those golf courses than I could find anywhere else. You know I, I hate to say this but a lot of people know who I am and I and I <laughs> and I get and I get great information. Um, we're going back 15 years ago, but there was a place in North Lakeport. It was going to be called Crystal Lago, and they uh, there was talk about maybe having a course there. And in the end, it wasn't going to work out because of water and limitations. Um, but I did get a call one night saying, hey, if you if you go down to Ashley's Restaurant in, in Lakeport, Jack Nicholas is sitting there. So, you know, I wasn't going to bother the poor man, but I 
did walk through there and sure. said hi to the owner and and uh, there was Jack with a couple other people and uh, so then I called up uh, it was called Horizon Construction and I said hey uh, Jack Nicholas in the neighborhood with you guys well yeah I said any chance I can come out and see the site if you don't tell anyone for six months come <laughs> on out <laughs> and that was kind of the same deal with a couple of these other th ventures so um, uh, people people are really good with feeding me information sometimes that's fantastic um, just the fact that the uh, the the course in Middletown that James Duncan is affiliated with. I reached out to them, but I didn't really hear anything back. But then Steve Molinelli contacted me, and, and I had played competitive golf with him 30 years ago, and he's a great guy. And uh, so, you know, just, just those relationship things have kind of helped me with some of this knowledge. Sure. Do you have any other information regarding the uh, the Doak Project in terms of – because from the plan, I get the impression that it's going to be more of like a like a Mayakama style, you know, high-end – you know, residential community, private club, but I, I really don't know that. I, I'm just assuming uh, yeah. from. You know. I think I think Mayakama might be a good call. I think I think it's going to be a, a typical Dom, Tom Doak project, which is going to mean it's going to be difficult. Yeah, he's going to he's going to force you to think, and he's going to force you to play well. But um, but I think they are looking for an upscale clientele. Sure. At that course, uh, you're going to certainly have an upscale clientele at uh the Brambles, also the Middletown area course, simply because they're talking about no carts, caddies, right. You know, so, so, so it's it's not the kind of place where, gee, I've got twenty two dollars in coins in my uh, cushions, and uh, <laughs> I think I'll go play golf. Uh, you can get you can come up here with that co those coins and play nine holes here, but uh, I don't think it's going to work yeah. at any of those places. Plastic I, might be preferred. Yeah, I think there's going to be an exclusivity to those places too, just because of the whole uh, uh, wine wine type people and uh, successful corporate types. Sure, because my my hope would be, you know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but one thing that I feel that um, the North Bay area specifically is missing that it has a great opportunity given it is the wine country is, you know, I want to say more, I know we were just talking about affordability, but more, I guess, high-end public golf, you know, golf that's really inspiring and fantastic and is kind of priced somewhere in that 75 to 100 you know, $150 range where, you know, if a guy wants to go out and play it once or twice a year, it's not so expensive that it's several hundred dollars. But a really nice high-end place that's still cheaper than around a Presidio or Harding Park or something like that. Um, and I, w I was kind of just hoping in the back of my mind that maybe these two golf courses up here, you mentioned Brambles, might open itself up to the public uh, one or two days a week in the afternoons. And I, my thinking was if, if both those courses and there were two wonderful, you know, destination-level golf courses that people would be willing to travel hours to come play – that it really could turn Lake County into this kind of, you know, under the radar, like really spectacular golf destination when you combine a couple courses like that combined with a historic, really fun, beautiful nine hole course like this so just up the road. Um, I, I don't know. Do, do you see anything? Well, like that? well, you know, it's that if you build it, they will come mentality. Right. And, and, you know, that would be obviously a hope. If I'm going to talk about the Bay Area, you know, I would point out something like Stone Tree. I point out something like Wente Brothers uh, Golf Course in Livermore, wh which are of that flavor you're talking about. You know, you don't you don't pay a fortune to play at Wente. It's a great test of golf. But you probably don't go there five days a week to play. Sure. Um, at the same time, there is isn't anything like that in the North Bay. I I have nothing but good things to say about the uh, course and the management at Rooster Run in Petaluma. Rooster Run, um, Windsor, all you know, those Windsor are, would be the are same. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, at, at the same time, sad to say, Adobe Creek, you know, went by the wayside. Mm -hmm. um, but but I don't see a, a Wente Brothers type of uh, of thing in the North Bay. Right. In, in the way that. Uh, that you do have other courses well, in other places. Especially one, you know, courses designed by Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw or Tom Doak. Sure. I mean, th as you mentioned, these are th the two, you know, 
they're at the top of the you know top sure. of the playbill I mean, in terms of the world of modern golf course architecture. And any time that either one of those guys or either one of those groups opens up a new golf course, especially one that's available to the public, I mean, you have diehard golfers, you know, dropping thousands of dollars, traveling, you know, sometimes thousands of miles to come play a new golf course by one of those folks. And sure. um, I, I don't know if the Wente course or something that has, you know, that same kind of cachet. I mean, it's a Greg Norman course or... or who did design the, he, the one? It did. is Greg Norman because they had they had to lengthen the Livermore Airport to get his jet to land uh, <laughs> back in the late nineties when they did that. Yeah. In uh, fact, if you're if you're ever at Las Positas, you can park your plane closer to the first tee than you can park your car. That's amazing. The Muni course there, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's a Greg Norman design. Okay, because uh, I, I mean, obviously Greg Norman, um, I've only played one or two of his golf courses. They're very nice, but it doesn't seem like they have the cachet and and the, the draw that like a Bill Core, a Ben Crenshaw, or a Tom Don. Tom Doak course might have no, and I I think I think the thing about a celebrity architect, and I would not include Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas in this, but mm-hmm. I think when you do have like there's a course in the Chicago area Odyssey Club, which is Curtis Strange, uh, you you have a uh, you know some of these other courses, some of the stuff Tiger Woods is doing, they've got associates who've got all kinds of background with Robert Trent Jones or Tom Fazio or mm-hmm. Pete Dye, and so they're the in many ways the nuts and bolts people. Yes. Um, when I watched Weisskopf out at Langtree when they were originally doing that. He had Phil Smith with him, who I believe was uh, Robert Trent Jones' associate, mm-hmm. and and he was the guy doing all the design stuff. And you know, I was even there when they talked about uh, recreating the postage stamp hole hole at at uh, at Langtree, simply because that's where Weisskopf had won the uh, British Open in 1973. Sure. So they were looking at a Troon recreation in that way. Um, I think that's the, the real value in people like uh, uh, Doke and Crenshaw and Core and stuff like that is that that they really know their stuff. Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, thanks in you know in part to I think there's a lot more you know, publications and also a lot more websites that are covering golf course architecture um, in a way that it it wasn't covered nearly as comprehensively as it is now. Um, a, a lot of outlets, I mean, even you know a professional like Zach Blair um, has made it a point for him to have golf course architecture be a talking point when he's on the podium and things that something he's passionate about bringing more casual golf fans into that sort of world of golf course architecture making them more aware of the benefits uh, that come with playing a golf course that makes you think a little bit sure and um yeah i, I just i don't y- know you know i'm going to give a plug out to one other architect who I, th- who I think is on the same level with corn crenshaw but he's more midwestern oriented his name is mike devries he's he's from traverse city michigan kingsley club uh, he uh, he grew up at Crystal Downs uh, in northern Michigan mm-hmm. and Alistair McKenzie all the way. And uh, if I ever converse with people who say, um, you know, hey, have you ever played Cypress or have you ever played SF Club or stuff? I can nod with that. And, and I can go on and on about some great courses in other areas, whether it's Beverly or Medina or Olympia Fields. But I played Crystal Downs with Mike DeVries, so mm-hmm. uh, and nobody's ever played Crystal Downs. That's so pretty I good, into, you know, and it's like number ten in the rankings or, or something like that. But you know, um, Mike DeVries has done some West Coast stuff. He redid all the greens at the Meadow Club, yes, which I, was a McKinsey thing. Uh, so that's why they brought him in. Mm-hmm. He also amazingly redid all the greens at Auburn Valley Country Club, which no has kidding. recently gone public. Okay, so that's open to the uh, open to you know common golfers and not and pretty affordable for an old country club it's, yeah. it's in that 50 60 dollar range but um th- there's another guy who i think is really knowledgeable in things and and does kind of the same things that that doke and uh, core crenshaw do in that they kind of 
visualize the land, check out the topography, and envision what should be. It's and and while I I played some Pete Dye courses that are very likable, whether it's Black Wolf Run mm -hmm. or Whistling Straits, um, Pete Dye's. You know, he's got to move a, a million acres of uh, dirt just to do some of the courses he's he's accomplished in in his life, and um and and I have an appreciation for the core Crenshaw, Mike, uh, Tom Doak, but also I I, I want to give a shout out to Mike DeVries because I I think there's a guy another guy who really yes. knows his stuff. The 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 work that he has done uh, over the last twenty years because I think he's still the consulting architect at Meadow Club has been nothing yeah. short of spectacular. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually just reading a really great article in Caddy Magazine. Uh, it, it's escaping right now, but the name of the course um, that he designed on King Island, just off uh, off, in, off the Australian coast, it has the it's famous for that lighthouse. Okay, yeah, um, I'm not. And it's you know just the the photographs and the, and the interviews I've read of people that have uh, played the golf course. I mean, it's it, it, there there were people saying they liked playing that golf course. People who I admire and you know mm -hmm. take their uh, take their opinions very seriously said, I'd rather play there than Royal Melbourne. Really, it, wow. it, it's, it, it, yeah. it's about as good of a golf course as I've ever sure. played in my entire life, and uh, yeah, you know, Mike DeVries, Gil Hans, all, all those guys. Sure, yeah, do, Gil Hans would be another tremendous, tremendous work. Architect, yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, if for a, a a place like Lake County that often, even in its own metropolitan area like the Bay Area, sometimes is forgotten about, to have um, a couple golf courses by you know guys in that sort of company coming in to do some work is is pretty darn exciting. Sure, yeah, very good, yeah. You know the other weird thing about Lake County is we we've talked about Jack Fleming here at Adam Springs. Billy Bell did Hidden Valley Lake, uh, and you know he's the Tory Pines sure. guy, and and he did tons of stuff, whether it's Tilden Park and Berkeley and and those kind of courses. But uh, and I think Billy Bell was a. Uh, you need a golf course architect, I'm here for you. You know, regardless of whether it was a Muni project or some exclusive place or on the coast of San Diego, he he was there. He probably he and his son probably did about 250 courses yeah. in, in the western United States. Um, but that's another interesting thing that, you know, we've got Hidden Valley Lake, which is a, a outstanding course. Uh, it's a yeah. car, I hate to say it's a cart course. Um, we play a high There's school. There's a couple transitions between holes yes, out there that, yeah. are, that are somewhat lengthy. You, you go about 250 yards yeah. and uphill and downhill, and yeah, it's good to have the billy goat carrying your clubs for you. Your calves do feel great, though. Yeah, uh, well, the, yeah. The, 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 we, they we, burn, but they feel good. We play a high school match there in our league with the seven schools, and uh, the kids always suffer. We we have adults bury them from like the 12th to the 13th hole and 14 to 15, and I'm down in the valley on the 15th hole, which is their signature hole with a 200-foot drop, but... Uh, but but that's also an, a, a nice test of golf and within range of the Bay Area and Sonoma County and Napa Absolutely. County. Yeah, it's it, it's really cool. Um, well, John, I got to you've been so wonderful in uh, in sharing your time and uh, and in stories with me. I for fear of uh, having this thing go to the point where the sun starts setting and it starts getting a little cold out here. Um, I you have quite literally answered every single question that I had written down on my sheet of paper for you. So I want to see, is, is there anything else that, any questions you had for me or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? No, I, you know, I, I guess I would like to say though, that, um, things like high school golf or junior golf tournaments, um, we really need to expose kids to those things. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's things like the AJGA, which is for really high caliber kids where they, they play at places like La Parisma down in the Santa Barbara area and stuff. Well, that's great for the, the, the kids. Um, you know, if you, if you look at something like uh, Justin Thomas and uh, Jordan Spieth, they met each other in the Junior Ryder Cup. Well, but, but we're talking about the top 1% of junior golfers in America. Right. Um, but there's this whole world out there for kids and opportunities and first tee programs. And, you know, you, you have a Santa Rosa Junior and a Lake County Junior and a 
Mendocino Jr. and all these little funky tournaments that just expose kids to the game. Uh, you, you know, we have when we do our Lake County Junior, we have eight and nine and ten year olds. We have ad- adults who follow them around. Armand, who you met in the pro shop, uh, he, he always uh, is the marshal for the little guys, mm-hmm. and he's the type who, you know, he's got them throwing the ball out of the sand and don't worry about it. And we play the quad bogey rule, and all we're trying to do is expose them, you know. And and I and I hate to say it's not like youth soccer where everyone gets a trophy. But at the end of the tournament, everyone gets a sleeve of golf balls, sure. sort of thing. When you're w- one of those little guys, and that's a very yeah, practical you know, and uh, yeah, you know, a practical. You know. gift. Oh, and I've I've had a kid ask me one time about, uh, do you ever have any of those uh, SpongeBob SquarePants golf balls? <laughs> Which um, <laughs> no, we had. Uh, I think we had top lights, <laughs> but um, but I, but I think it, it, we really need to help that newest generation coming through right now, just to expose them to the game. And if all that happens is Grandpa takes his grandson out and and plays some little place like um, uh, McGinnis Park in the um, uh, Marin area, which mm-hmm. is kind of a nice little course, or just expose them to those kind of things, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Take him outside, get some fresh air. Um, you know, there's that ad that the NFL does where you have to, uh, you should go out and play for 60 minutes a day. Yes. If my parents had told me you have to go out and play 60 minutes every day, I'd say, what did I do wrong? Yeah, I, exactly. I was outside <laughs> I was outside for 10 or 12 hours in the summer, you know. When my when I saw my dad's car come home down the block, then I knew, oh, dinner in a half hour, okay, I got to exactly. leave the park now. Um, so I, I just think we need to really look out for this next generation, and golf is a good avenue so that they don't spend all their time just stuck in their room playing video games and, you know. I'm I'm not against Megadeth, yep. but I I don't th- I think you should do more things than listen to Megadeth and play video games. I I could not not to open up Pandora's box, but I I, I would say that uh, a big contributing factor to me falling in love with golf the way that I did was a really cool, just very localized junior golf tour. I don't know if you recall. Uh, I think it started in the the mid to late '90s, the Sonoma County Junior Golf sure. Tour. Oh, very much. Um, yeah. And I, sure. I was I was part of the the first uh, the first year they played. The and first I played. Wave. I, I played in that tour from the time I was 10 years old until I think I was 16 or 17, mm. you know, playing on the varsity golf team at Montgomery High School. Sure, okay. And, um, so you would have run into, like, the Strong Boys or I, uh, Jim Zach, Strong. Zach, I love, Zach, I, I, Zach Wenrick. I, play, uh, I, play, I played against uh, all the Strong sure. the strong Boys in, the, in high school golf. Sure. I, I still, you know, know Jim. I, heck, anytime I have uh, you know, anything wrong with the golf club, I, I still take it to Jim Strong. Sure. It's yeah. uh yeah, it's, it was just such a cool place. And, again, it, it hits that note where it gave me an opportunity as someone who – quite literally has never been exceptional at golf i mean i i have right now is the lowest my handicap has ever been and it's an eight okay well you n- nothing wrong with that it, which for yeah. me i have a load of fun playing golf as an eight handicap but in high school i i broke 81 time and it was a 79 so know? here's my tough question for you was ron blum your golf coach or was russ peterick so <laughs> how, how, how's that for names from the past both both okay. so uh so <laughs> coach one was my coach uh freshman year and then uh, coach petrick um, was my coach sophomore, junior, and senior year. So the only three years that Coach Petrick uh, coached Montgomery High School golf, I you was lucky there. enough okay. to be there for my last three years of high school. Every every other year I run the North Coast Section Tournament for boys and girls, 144 okay. kids, and I always get Russ to be one of my marshals. And Russ is coach probably 80-plus probably right now, and he's into it, and he'll show up at Peacock Gap or uh-huh. Rooster Runner, wherever we're at. And uh, very good guy, and and then Ron was a good, great guy too. Yeah, well, I, I remember uh, for uh, <laughs> for uh, Coach Ron, my freshman year, we were in uh, tryouts, and he was, you know, look. I think at the time I was a freshman in high school, I think it was probably four foot eleven, eighty something pounds. I mean, I I was still years away from hitting puberty, and you know, he was looking at me, and uh, I'd hit a ball in the middle of the fairway. You know, I can't remember how many yards behind him, and he just saw me, this little tiny little kid, casually driving his cart around the golf course. I get up and I don't see my golf ball, and I'm like. Coach, do you do you know where he goes? 
ah, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little wet out here, maybe. And you know, <laughs> the guy just run over my golf yeah. ball just to oh, like yeah. mess with oh. everybody. He, he loved messing huh. with people, which was great. But uh, you know, actually, it's funny because if, if you're running the NCS now, um, for the Golf Guide podcast w- that I do every week, uh, my co-host is actually the current coach of Montgomery High School, Jess Demack. Oh, sure, and and Jess. Uh, Sad to say, Jess has a negative um, history here in L- the Lake County circuit. He uh, had a one-shot lead going to the last hole. We would play. It used to be we played one day here, one day at Hoberg's, mm-hmm. and he had a wedge in his hand and had a one-shot lead and hit it in the street and made double <laughs> and came in second in the <laughs> Lake County Amateur <laughs> about 1995 or so. Oh, but, no. but no, I've known Jess forever and good guy. Played for Chico State. Yep. After that, and my alma uh, mater as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, no, I run it just every year. We go to the uh, Mustang Invitational at Marin Country Club, uh, put on by St. Vincent de Paul High School in Petaluma. So no, uh, he, he's going to get a real kick out of uh, when he learns that uh, I came oh. up to do a podcast with you today. That's going to oh. be or not only fantastic. that John, John Barry outed him for a bad wedge <laughs> at the uh, Lake County. Amateur. I will absolutely bring up yeah. the Lake County Amateur, then we do yeah. our podcast next yeah. week. So poor, poor guy. Uh, on that, uh, John, thank you so much. I, I, re- I really appreciate it. This sure. has been a lot of fun. I hope uh, we have an opportunity to. To talk again soon and sure and, 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 and we're lucky play golf sometimes yeah play golf and then come and visit us when our uh, new clubhouse and pro shop opens hopefully uh, at the start of the summer i'm looking forward to it it seems like it's going to be a really cool place to uh, to hang out have a beer have some food and, and go play some golf so Great. we're looking forward to it john thank you thank you very much and just like that it's over uh john thank you very very much really really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with me a lot of fun stuff in there uh very very much looking forward to bringing up uh jess's uh meltdown uh if if i may say so the next time we get to record a golf guide podcast it's gonna be a lot of fun so uh anyways everybody listening thank you very very much i hope this was a pleasant distraction for you um please be sure to practice social distancing and be safe in these crazy uh confusing scary times um you know as long as we're all responsible uh, we're going to get through this and uh, we're going to come back out on the other side better than ever. So um, with that being said, thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, a wonderful weekend. Please be safe. And uh, I will be back with you guys at some point soon. Take care.